this week's Devil in the Detail podcast, I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining me the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, Rob, you okay? How's your week been, mate? Yeah, okay, not too bad. Busy, busy as usual, and uh, yeah, busy, busy at work, really, and got to the match on, on Monday. Strange playing these Monday Monday games and uh, midweek games, it has been a bit odd, but uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing too bad, thanks, mate. I had, a, I, had a, I had a miracle happen to me, Paul, uh, this week. You know, we was talking last week about me, my laptop screen uh, going kabunk and having to use my uh, Amiga 500 screen to, to do the podcast. Oh, yeah. It's working now. All right. Could not believe it. Great. Turned my computer on thinking, here we go again. Another night of having to wiggle my wires to get this screen working. Suddenly, laptop screen comes on. I was like, big white eyes, thinking, whoa, what happened there? But I do believe in miracles, and, and we've got one in it today. When you said that about your Amiga 300 or whatever, you <laughs> yeah. completely lost me. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So I'm glad you do the technical side, mate, because uh, I'd be a bit lost. Yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of like thinking that, you know, if it, if you know, it carries on, I'd have to like carry it around with me, and it's like a like a big big screen you know what i mean so i'd have to have my laptop in one hand and this you know 32 inch screen another it's about, it's about as wide as it is long this thing i use but now i don't need it for now good which is good news uh, so yeah so that's about it really that's the most exciting thing i've uh, happened to me this week uh, so we'll look back uh, i've got loads on the show this week we'll uh, look back at the victory against settlers uh, we'll see what ian watson had to say in the in the uh, post-match uh, press conference look at all the big news um coming out from the sulfur devils uh, this week and then we'll preview uh, the catlan game on monday paul so loads and loads to, to go at yeah there certainly is a lot of big stories robin it's been a bit another hectic week hasn't it with Salford and especially Watto as well he's um really the man of, man of the moment at the moment i bet he needs a a bit of a break from you know challenge cup final and all the other stuff that's been going on. So yeah, it's been uh, sort of they're always in the news, aren't they? All in the news, but good news. That's the thing. Apart from the odd thing, but better than it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what we'll do then? We'll uh, we'll look back at the victory against Settlers. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford Red Devils were victorious. Uh, they beat St. Helens 12-10, uh, Paul. Uh, good result against against St. Helens. Even though we were battered and bruised, we got the two points. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a funny game, really. I thought the first half, I know, it was pretty poor. Um, and St. Helens, for me, they just seemed to run the ball harder and tackle a bit harder. They were very, very enthusiastic and... We were um, we were totally on the back foot until Paulie Paulie scored right before half time. But you know, credit to St. Helens, the, 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 the youngsters that they brought in, they did a really good job. And um, you know, they scored, didn't they, in the, in the first minute? That Don Peru lovely pass. And uh, I feared the worst. And when they went over there, I thought, blimey, we're going to get cartwheeled here because we didn't look at the races at all. The body language wasn't good. Um, and I think you can blame that on a few different things, can't you? Fatigue and you know the ups and downs of the, of the cup final as well, and, and the fixture pile up as well. I don't think it's helping. I think those players out there who probably shouldn't really have played, you know, like of Ollie Roberts, broken ribs, and uh, Gil Dudson was was pretty poorly, wasn't he? And um, 
it was it was it was tough. It was a tough first half anyway, and we got that break before half time and scored that try through Paulie Paula, which gave us a leg up. Yeah. Josh Eves, I think, scored for Saints. They had two penalties as well off the back to make it 10-0. And like you said there, Paul, I was thinking, here we go. But during that period, Saints had 62% possession. And for, well, for me, they didn't really take advantage of that. Um, we had kind of a three-set um, role halfway through that first half. Nothing came of it, to be to be fair. But off the back of that, we had better territory. And we we took advantage, like you say, with a try from Parley Parley. I think it was like one or two sets after that, um, which closed the gap. Closed closed the gap, and obviously we broken bodies against a, a youthful. We'll call it a youthful Saint Ellen's team. And those guy would love to love to tell us. Um, it was it was a you know going into half time uh, six ten down. It was a good place to be for me. Yeah, because like you said, I was just about to say that we, we were quite resilient in that first half, I thought. Saints had an awful lot of ball and you, you can go on about what squad they've got and kids playing all that. It doesn't make any difference to us. You, you're playing against, say, Ellen's, it's 13 against 13, so you've got to do the job, haven't you? So it was it was tough. We had a lot of defending to do, but I thought we hung in there and that try for me just came at the right time. You know, if you're going in 10 nil. I think it'd have been a bit of a mountain to climb in the second half and the pressure's on you to score early doors. But that, that try seemed to, to swing the momentum there for us and we sort of started the second half and, and, and looked like we were going to come back into the game. And I think Saints bombed a few chances as well. There was a couple of, you know, there's try in the first half where I think it was Ashworth knocked on going over the line and in the second half, the young, uh, young centre, was it Sim? I mean, I've never seen anybody cough a ball up like, like he did. He sort of dived to... Too early to score the try, didn't he? And you know the, the ball had knocked the ball on, so that could have been curtains for us there. So we had a bit of fortune there in the game, and like Saints blowing chances. So uh, so yeah, it kept us in there. But we, you know we had to hang in there with, with some good defence. You're right, Paul. And I think it was was it Nisbet. He he spilt the ball over over the line, and I think you know Ian Watson talks about uh, sort of culture at the club, and in tough times, that's when your your culture shines. And I think the players dug in. And, you know, as fans, you know, we asked for effort and we asked for commitment and we got that in spades, I think. Yeah, people talk about it being a set, young set on size and an experienced experience set on side, but it's about managing that situation. And I thought the players were, were fantastic in, in, in that situation, just like the Warrington game. I, speak to, we spoke, I spoke to Ian Watson about it in the press conference, which you'll hear in, in a few minutes. And he, was, he didn't believe me that he didn't think that it had an effect, but for me... It was kind of a rewind to that Warrington uh, game where they were a younger side. Even though our side was different, I think when you're playing these younger teams and the inexperienced teams, um, it's about sort of bringing them in and, and, and sort of taking your chances when, when they come. And I feel like we did that uh, against, the, against the Saints. Yeah, I think you've got to be patient, haven't you, sometimes? And, and and we were, for me. I thought we was really patient in that game. We didn't seem to panic. You, know, you could have hit the panic button there and, mm. you know, started flapping when you, you're not scoring and you, you're not scoring points. But we didn't. We hung on and waited and waited and waited and then took our chance when it came. And, you know, we you didn't get many chances in that game, to be honest. I don't think we made many line breaks at all. I can think of two, I think. As, uh, I don't know if you can hear all them fireworks going off outside my house, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's really noisy here. Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, so we, we we had to be patient in the game. So we had to do that against Warrington. So yeah, we composure. I think that's that's the word really in that game. We we it wasn't probably our best performance, but you know it was good to to get the result. 
Yeah, and I think we built we built pressure at the right time, and the McCarthy ball McCarthy ball steal with about five minutes to go gave us that opportunity, gave us the territory to really have a go at Saints, and, and we came up with a try from Minu. Great work from Pauli Pauli um, to 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 draw that uh, set Ellen's defence over, uh, and Inu made a difference in in the corner, showing why he's such a, a great try scorer, bulldozing his way through uh, to win the game. Yeah, I was sat sort of that side of the stand when Inu got the ball and I, I must admit, I thought, oh no, he's going to get tucked into touch when the Saints guy come over. But the St. Helens defender just seemed to bounce off him and I, I stood there and my mouth just dropped. I was astonished because Inu just seemed to like, he's like he's, his shoulder was made of steel. The St. Helens player just bounced off him. Yeah. He didn't even move. He, did, he was right on the touchline. He did move fractured. I've watched it on the replays today. And, you know, the strength of him there, the upper body strength to just swat somebody off like that and then have the presence of mind to cut in and, and score. I mean, he's got to be one of the calmest players going, Kristen Inu, you know, the, the way he plays the game. But I was going to say to you, you were saying the other, the other week when you, you interviewed him that um, he's, he's very laid back in, in this, that and the other. I tell you what, he wasn't laid back on Monday night. No. He was shouting and bawling. You could hear him all around the ground. He's so vocal on the pitch. And I think that vocalness, you know, from him, really had a big say in the game. I thought he he, he kept us alive there and did what, you know, I know he's not captain, but he was really vocal on the pitch and he he led the team there and, and really helped us to that victory. Yeah, I think it worked with, with Inu. He just switches on. You can just see him like a, like a switch just flicks sort of flicks on to game mode when it matters, and and that's and that's what it's all about with these old big players. You know, we talk about big players doing big moments which which turn which turn games. You know, the McCarthy ball strip. Uh, you got Pauli Pauli drawing the defence in. You got Elliot Keir with a, with a great pass. And um, that all that could have gone terribly wrong if these players weren't sort of physically and mentally up to the challenge. Yeah, that's right. That's right, and I think. Um... It was good to get that result on on Monday, especially after the the defeat the, the on the Friday against Wigan. That took a lot of the players, and you know, it's we 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 can go on about the the Saint Helens side, the young side, and all that. We were patched up there, you know, our team. We had players out missing, and you, you had players who really, as I said before, shouldn't have played. You know, they, they playing with injuries and things like that. And if we was on our last legs. You could see that in the game. And um, I thought we did tremendously well to get a result and, and hang in there. And my heart was in my mouth towards the end. I mean, I got the um, I can remember the ghost of Eddie Evans in my ear, all saying about that wide to west when Hill yeah. shook the ball out wide there. And Dan Sargent, I thought, was absolutely amazing in that game. You know, some of his defensive work. He come up with a couple of errors, but what you get with him is uh, the enthusiasm that he plays the game with. You know, the way he runs the ball and absolutely under mile. And I were not many players are like that. And, uh, you know, it was a tremendous bit of defending with him there to come up with that play. And I thought we thoroughly deserved the victory. I thought they put an awful lot of effort into that game. And, you know, you sometimes you don't get the, the, the reward you deserve when you pile all that effort in an endeavour. But I thought we did on, on Monday and, and luckily we got the points. Yeah. Dan Sargent, like you say, another big player who can produce in the big moments. You know, lots of good, you know, defensive catches, reading the play, you know, in certain parts of the game... Which which saves certain tries, and then he comes up with a big play at the end um, to to tackle the winger into touch. And what highlights that uh, in the interview that you know they did lots more apart from that last gas diving tackle. But if he misses that, then all his efforts before is in is in vain. So for me, it's probably equally as important. Yeah, certainly, certainly was. Yeah, and I think there was an awful lot of big displays in, in that game on Monday. You know, people putting all sorts of effort in playing when they shouldn't have played. Gil Dudson, I mean, 
I, I've been giggling to myself all week about the uh, the, the crumpets <laughs> what Wattle mentioned in the, was it in the press conference. He only had two crumpets, and it's, it's been playing on my mind all week. It just uh, it, it just tickled me that really. But I think you know, being serious, I think it just shows your um, the dedication of the players. I mean, he's been poorly all week there, Gil. He missed the game on Friday to be poorly. He's coming there. Apparently, he was sick so many times, and I, I saw a quote from Ian Blees about. In being stood outside the physio room after the game, and some of the state of the players coming out, and you know, it just shows you what effort they put in there to to win to win that game. You know, sometimes we can see what goes on on the field, but we don't see what goes on off the field, do we? And how how sore the players are, and what pain, and what sort of hell they put themselves through sometimes on the pitch. It's been pretty pretty difficult. So, I think um, you know, credit to everybody on, on Monday. I thought it was uh, it was great to get a result, especially after uh, after Wembley as well, and the the defeat against Wigan. You know that. Our heads could have gone down there, and we could have gone on a really bad losing run. But to to, to get that victory, I thought was a, a real sort of shot in the arm for us. Yeah, Lee Mossup taking on Warmsley as well, and giving as good as he got. That's that's what you want in your captain. You know, he's in, he was injured as well, uh, which makes his performance even better, really. Uh, but like you said, all the players putting their bodies on the line, you know, week in, week out, especially you know against against that Saints side when, like you said, Ian Blees and, and Ian Watson, they they said that. You know, the players, are, you know, the squad's hurting, it's broken. Obviously, we, we know what happened, uh, don't we, in the next, uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah, well, I think Lee Mossop deserves an awful lot of credit. Um, I thought I thought he was probably our best player or one of our best players in the Wigan game. You know, it, it was a pretty miserable performance, that. But, but Lee, I thought, was was tremendous. He really was. And, yeah, that battle with Alex Warms, you could hear every crunch again of the tackles and some of them hits, um, especially when Wormsley and, and Mossop engaged the, the grunts and the groans that you could hear in the crowd there, I mean, they were knocking me sick at times. It was really, uh, really was some crunching tackles. And Luke Yates, I think it was 60-odd, 70 tackles he put in. And he's another one. He's For me, he's probably going to be up there for player of the year at Salford. Yates, I think he's been absolutely tremendous every week. You know, you can never say that he's had a poor game. He's, his effort and, the, you know, the, what he puts in, absolutely outstanding. And every player needs, every team needs a player like that. And, just glad we've got Luke because I think he's been great this season and you know real real tackling machine. But not only that, he's not just a tackling machine. He's he's got an awful lot of uh, good tools to his game as well. So uh, so yeah, a lot to be positive about. You're right, Paul. Just look at the stats uh, that I've got. The top tacklers: uh, Lee Mossett with 42, uh, Joey Lussett with 46, Greg Burke with 44, Tyrone McCarthy with 47. Like you said, Luke Yates with with a, a massive amount, 70 tackles. Uh, in in the one game, Parley Parley well with forty four, and it's it's a huge huge effort for for them boys. Um, you know, forty fifty tackles, especially especially Luke Yates, like he said, seventy. Uh, that's a that's a massive effort from him, and everyone every tackle was crucial. He certainly was, yeah. And, and Parley Parley is another one. I mean, sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, if you speak to some supporters, they say he's done this, he's done that, he's not worked hard enough, and that and. And I thought he, that was his best game for, for me. Mm. I think that's the best game I've seen him in a Salford shirt on, on Monday. I thought he worked his socks off. He didn't miss tackles. He, he put his, he put himself about and, and did the hard graft as well. It's all right coming on and doing the big monster runs that he does. But, you know, what I want a bit more out of him as well. I want him to do tackles and, and not go hiding in defence. And for me, he didn't. He was he was on his game there and he really, you know, you know put himself about and... You know, come up with a crucial try and then set up the, the second try. So, really big game for him. So, yeah, I was really pleased with the 
with the display. The first half, I wasn't. I, I thought we were disappointing. I thought we looked rudderless at times. And uh, there's the certain things we need to work on um, without me being too harsh. I think a lot of the times we, we, we go into the last tackle and the last tackle kick to me is a hit and a hope from, from Tuilola here. That's something we need to work on. A lot of the time it just looks like he's umping the ball down the field and there's no, there's no method to it. And a lot of it was off the cuff. And I think we need to work on that and we need to be smarter on that, I think. So there's, a, there's an awful lot to work on. That is, I suppose, yeah, the the fifth tackle plays, there's there's no, for me, I suppose there's no imagination to it, but the fact that you've lost Kevin Brown, um, is, is would that be a factor? Does um, Tuilala here, is he feeling a bit more pressure? We know uh, Atkins come in uh, and he's more of a running uh, halfback than a than a, a kicking creative one. Um, does that mean Tuilala has to take that mantle of being the guy who does a strategy and, and kicks the ball where, where he thinks it needs to go. Uh, that's the that's the thing you've got to think about, I think, in that situation where, you know, it's a different team. Well, it's, it's the same team, but it's a different dynamic uh, in that halfback role. Yeah, I'd just like to see him, you know, have a bit more method in his kicking. And, you know, he's an international halfback. He's played for Tonga in a World Cup, so he, mm. he's no wug. He knows what he's doing. But I thought some of the kicking was poor. You know, we failed to make touch again which to me is criminal, you know, if you're going to do that. I mean, I know it was a bit windy on uh, Monday night, but if it's windy like that and you're kicking for touch, why not put the ball on the floor and, and kick it off the floor like you're kicking for a goal? You're allowed to do that. That rule's never been taken out of the game. You can place, kick it, you can drop, kick it, you can do what you want, kicking for touch. So, um, you know, we shouldn't be failing to make touch. So there was a few, there was a few things there. I'm not, I'm not being critical of Tui. I mean, not at all. I think he's an excellent player, but I just think we need to work on that last tackle play a bit more because there was a few times where I thought we lacked that structure. I mean, Lee Mossop caught the ball on the last tackle at one point and he put a grubber kick through. There's no way he should be getting the ball on the last tackle. That ball should be going to Chris Atkin, to Willoughby. We should be knowing what we're doing. And, you know, against a more organised side, I mean, and a side that's probably not as naive as that young St. Ellen's team, they would have would have pushed us for that. So, you know, going forward, we need to make sure we're a bit smarter and a bit wiser. That's not not a criticism. I think it's just, you know, what's the word? It's sort of um, what do they call it when it's it's criticism, but it's um, constructive constructive criticism. That's it. Yeah, it's, I think it's something to work. I think what we'll be looking at that definitely because he, he was a half back and he, he had a decent kicking game. So um, yeah, we'll be looking at that because it's, it needs to be better for me the kicking. Yeah, I, I suppose it's all about development in it, and we, we, well, I'm sure Ian Watson has, has spoke to the likes of Chris Atkin and Tuilola here, and and sort of discussed that with him. But really, in in this in that situation, because you know we talk about pivots, don't we, and in, in, in the line, and you know, does there does there need to be extra options in that kicking area on that fifth tackle? Because obviously you've got Dan Sargent at fullback, who is a kind of a straight line runner he's not really got a kicking game really uh, you've got Joey Ulsic at the, the, the play of the ball that, uh, at nine and he, and he does his fair share of kicking from around the rook so I suppose if you don't have you know you got your loose forward as well which is like Tyro McCarthy or, or you know uh, Matt Flanagan they haven't got particularly you know particularly known for the kicking game so teams probably realise that it's only going to go to, to one or the other so they can set up their defensive uh, structure to, to combat that, which then puts the pressure on the likes of Atkin and uh, Tuilalea because they know that the team, the other team know that they're going to get it, so they've got to get rid of it sharpish. Yeah, that's right. That's something you've got to combat, haven't you? And, uh, you know, make sure you're organised on that on that last tackle. So, yeah, perhaps it's just a, bit, a little bit more organisation and... Um, 
I don't know, Will. I mean, like you say, Kevin Brown's going to be a big miss because Kevin was the, the organiser and he was the man that was doing all the kicking. And, you know, in that semi final, his kicking game I thought was excellent against Warrington. So, uh, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to work on that. We've got a few games coming up, I'm sure, where we can uh, we can put things right and iron things out. I'm sure Chris Atkins going to get more more chance now to build that um, half back partnership with two and all with Kevin Brown being out for the rest of the season. So we'll see how that one goes. Yep. Yeah, um, other stats looking at it, Paul. Uh, seven players over a hundred meters made. Um, Chamberlain, Sargentson. Uh, Elliot Kay, Lee Mossop, Gil Dudson, uh, Inu, uh, Williams, all over 100. 145 for Williams, Chamberlain 153, Sarge 194, Elliot Kay 113, Lee Mossop 103, Gil Dudson 103, and uh, Inu 128. Mossop and and, uh, Dudson both obviously suffering the effects of injury and illness. To go over 100 metres in a game is, is tremendous. It certainly is, yeah. I thought they both worked really, really hard. And, you know, that St. Helens pack, you know, despite the, the being quite youthful, they still had Alex Warnsley playing there. James Graham was playing as well. You know, they're two international class forwards, aren't they? And particularly James Graham, you know, he's, he's been there and, and done it on both sides of the uh, of the world, hasn't he? In, in England and Australia, what a great player he's been. And, you know, coming towards the end of his career, he's still a good one. And, and they've got some good uh, some good young forwards as well, St. Helens. So to, to combat them and the power they've got, I thought those two guys did really well. As you mentioned there, Reese Williams, I thought was excellent. Ed Chamberlain, it was great to see Ed come back into the team. And he made some really good meters and he looked really sharp as well. And he, and he worked hard and that's that showed there in the stats. So uh, always good to see him returning from injury. And uh, you know, we wish him well and hopefully he can settle into the team now. Yep, um, I spoke to Ian Watson after the game, uh, and this is what he had to say. Coach's corner. All right, Ian, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Um, good win tonight. We spoke last week about getting back on the arse. Do you think yep. that performance did that? Yeah, I just, just with just with everything we're facing at the moment, Rob. It's really tough. It's just. The groups want to be really proud of, mate, in what they're doing. Um, like I say, I can't speak highly enough of, of, of the players at the moment, just stepping forward and putting their hands up. I've spoken about the players that were injured or ill, um, and the amount of games we're playing, mate, is, is ridiculous compared to other teams at the moment. And like I said, we've got Warrington on Friday now. Warrington have had, what, two and a half, three weeks nearly to prepare, and the training, the lifting weights. They'll be stinging because we beat them in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup. So they'll be really hungry to try and do a number on us as well. So, listen, we'll, we'll have to regroup and, and see where we're at tomorrow, tomorrow morning, mate. But at, at the moment, we're, we're a little bit busted. But the character, you can't question the character of the players, mate. Yeah, you said that we looked a bit tired, but in the last sort of 20 minutes, we grew tonight. That shows you good signs moving forward. Yeah, I, I think I think they were out on the feet, mate, to be fair. We, everyone from the sideline, every time someone did something well, we're all cheering and kind of trying to G them up and give them a bit of false psychology, if you like, Rob. But what's it, mate? They, they got the result, which is what they needed to do. That, that was That's what we spoke about, about just getting the win tonight. Yeah, you played a youthful Warrington side a few weeks ago. Did that help sort of managing the game tonight? Um, no, we had a different team out that night. We, we had a lot of people who'd not even played for six, eight months in that game. We had a lot more experienced side out today. I think if this side... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to 
the the Warrington team that they had that out that night. But this this St. Helens team, this good mate, really good mate, well educated and well drilled. Yeah, and obviously Dan Sideson put in a, a stellar performance uh, throughout. Came up with a big play at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, was, I'd probably say his try saving tackles were, were, were bigger than probably that play. I know that gets you the win, but them try saving tackles are as, as important as that, mate. Yeah, Warrington Friday is the plan to to rest more or train more building up to that. Oh, we def- definitely not train more, mate. We, we, we can't <laughs> train at the moment because if anyone goes out on that field and. Rolls an ankle were knackered because that's what happened with Lannan. Um, unless you want to bring your boots, Rob, then <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, we'll all be about recovery. Well, I'll, I might see you down there, I might not. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Ian. Cheers, Rob. So that was Ian Watson, Paul, talking to himself after the game and he was talking about how, how battered the players were and uh, he even said that if I fancied bringing my boots uh, down, I might get a game. I thought it was uh, banter at the time, uh, but a couple of days later, um, you know, obviously we, we had to forfeit the Warrington game, but to be fair, if you'd have seen me play for Langwith Reds B team 20 years ago, forfeiting Warrington, probably the right decision. Yeah, well, I've never seen you play, Rob, but uh, I can imagine. <laughs> Mind you, I'm not much better myself. So, uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, mentioned there, you touched on the forfeit in the, the Warrington game. I've seen all sorts of stuff from people, you know, opinions on that. I, I've heard the, the, the opinion um, of other supporters from other clubs saying, well, you should have a youth team, you should have a reserve team, you should have this, that and the other. And No, we don't, is the bottom line. So... Are we going to talk about this later? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll dig deep into it later. But I'm, okay. I'm just saying that he was full of praise for that, you know, the effort that his players have put in and that how they're, yeah, they're yeah, broken. Yeah. And, you know, it, it shows, like I said before, about the culture they've got and they're willing to run through walls for each other, for, for each other, the club and the sport as well. Uh, because everything going on, it's, uh, it's like you say, Ian Blees, later in the, in the, in the week, explain the situation regarding why, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But it shows that the culture is fantastic where, at Salford. It certainly is, mate. So, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Um, Phil Jones, second-half improvement, uh, Dan Sargerson. Colin Reynolds, we've got Ian Watson. His man of the match was uh, Luke Yates. Richard Martin, terrible first half, Sargentson. Uh, Mark Scott, hung in there, Yates. I think the situation regarding hanging in games is a, is an important, it's a good thing and it's an important thing. This team has learned that if it hangs in a game and, and can trade sets, it's in with a chance of winning. It's got a granite chin. I know what you're like with your boxing, but this team has and it knows that the longer it hangs into games, there's more chance of winning it. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And and we've been behind in a lot of games, haven't we, and recently. And yeah, if you can show that grit and that determination and, and stay in that arm wrestle, like, you know, what a lot of these games have been that we've been in, you know, they've been really tight games and then take that opportunity. You're, you're always in with the shout, aren't you? And if you can keep defending and we've shown that in a, in a lot of games this season and you just get that bit of luck or that slice of luck towards the end of the game, you can pinch it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Uh, Natalie Taylor, never give up. Her man of the match was uh, Lee Mossop. Ryan Booth, we got there. Yates, Chris and Janet Shenton, edge of your seat. Stuff, uh, Mossop, Andy Lancashire, grind it out, Sargentson, Colin Wilson, hard-earned win, Yates, your mate, uh, Roy Ellaby, uh, staying for now, uh, talking about Ian Watson, uh, Luke Yates, Patrick Conley, Watto, staying Yates, 
David Snape, Lucky Yates. That's one, Dave. Not just not three. You got two more words there. You could have used uh, Jill uh, Winston. Didn't expect that. Did you, did you expect that, Paul? Did you expect us to 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 be able to beat Saints youth team? Do you know what? When you say Saints youth team, it winds up a bit that because if they if those players are part of the squad. They're part of the squad, aren't they? And, and I, I, I got it. It did me in the other week when um, Warrington were going on about it and all that. If they, if they want to pick that team, that is up to them. We've got no control over that. Mm. And we can only beat who's in front of us. And I had not looked at the squad. I mean, I, I never normally look at the away team squad anyway. You just turn up and, and, and hope for the best, don't you? So I didn't think we'd win. No, I, th- I thought St. Helens had, had beat us on Monday. I, I thought we we didn't have much in the tank against Wigan on Friday. And I thought we'd get pummeled on Monday, I'll admit it. When I saw the St. Helens squad, I thought we might have a chance. But... You know, our squad, we're struggling. We're struggling for numbers, aren't we? And people injured. So I think they showed an awful lot of character. And let's have it right, we defended pretty well in that game. We let her try after two minutes. And then for the next 78 minutes, we kept St. Allen's out and didn't concede any points. So I, I think, you know, real, real credit to the defence and, and the resilience of the team because they surprised me. I didn't think we'd win that game, no. Yeah, uh, you know, they are, they are a young St. side, but St. Allen's are a very good, very good time, very good team. Uh, their academy, I think, won the won the grand final I think last year or got very close to winning it so these are no mugs Ian Watson did say really that they're further on development wise than the Warrington uh, team and yeah you know th- this team showed they got they've got what it takes to win them kind of matches and yeah fantastic performance very happy with it um yeah and it's more like it's more confidence to build to build on really like you said after the Wigan game you needed that pick me up and I think we got that um against Saints yeah, we did. We did. And, um, you know, we've not beat St. Helens very often in the Super League here, have we? I think that's seven, I think, at home um, in like 20-odd years. So um, it's always nice to beat, to beat Saints and the champions as well, aren't they? And Yeah, I mean, I know they had some young players out there, but they've got a fantastic youth system at Saints. And quite a few of those players were making the debut. But quite a few of them were played um, quite a few games before yeah. and, and they know about Super League and know how it works. So, um, so yeah, it was a good result, I thought. Um, Nicholas Fletcher error effort Inu uh, his man of the match was Dan Sargeson Chris Seedhouse cut out errors Sargeson I think when you were talking about all that possession Saints had in that first half I think errors were part of it but I suppose you got to learn from, from that aren't you? and the players did respond in that second half by, by clawing the way uh, back into it uh, John Waite uh, Lemos at B Wormsley uh, which was the bit which was the big battle uh, both slugging it out. Paul D, never say die. Sargentson, you said very, very patient. Uh, Yates and uh, Gene Griffin. Yates is a contender for player of the season, which is uh, exactly what you said previously. I think so. I think so. I mean, you've said it quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Is it eight out of ten every week? Top yeah. performer. And that's, gosh, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what Luke Yates is. He's one of those guys. Every week, he's, he's, he's that consistent. He's up there, isn't he? He never really has a, an off day. And, um, you know, he's probably not the most extravagant player in the Super League or, you know, um, someone will have a poster of him on the wall because he's, you know, he's not that sort of player, is he? A match winner. But, you know, you need players like that in your team, those players who do the hard stuff and, and the tackling and that. And I really noticed him uh, on Monday. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And, yeah, he's, he's definitely a contender for, for player of the year for me. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing with this team, Paul, is this team is full of them. The full out, the full of eight out of ten players, and and that is what that is why we are where we are, and 
that is why we're going to that next level. That's why we're in playoffs and that's why we're in Challenge Cup finals and that's why we're in sort of grand finals because the newcomers of the team have that ability to, to play it out of 10 and go nine and go 10 when when need when they needed to. And that and that's the, the thing with Ian Watson now because he needs to kind of keep that standard up and bring in new blood and siphon off players who, who might be sort of getting old or, or not be able to continue at that level. And, that, and that's the challenge, really. For, for me moving forward yeah to me I think it's a real shame this season the way things have gone with the with the break and you know all these games coming thick and fast I think if it had been a level playing field this season we'd have played you know the, you know if it had been like last season and we'd not had this Covid thing and all that and we'd have just played you know once a week and I think you're just in a totally different league table. I think what you're seeing now is the sides with the biggest sort of squads mm. and the the the, the, big, the most resources. They're the ones that are staying there now, aren't they? And, you know, they're, they're they're playing the matches and, and taking the points, aren't they? You know, teams like us in Wakefield, okay, we've got some good players, but because we've not got those resources and the, the squad size, we're we're really struggling now. So uh, that that's a shame because we, we're probably not going to finish in the playoffs this year. Whereas I think we we probably would have done so. You know, we've just got to look forward now and, and carry that resilience on into next season because the, the guys that we've we've signed, you know, Callum Watkins coming in a few weeks ago was a f- fantastic signing for us. And, you know, he signed a, a good deal with us. He's going to be there next season. So next season's got the potential to be a you know, really massive season for the club. It's, it is a massive season. And this season's not over yet for me. It's all about finishing high as you can. I know with, with injuries and, and sickness, we are we are running on empty and it's it's be interesting to see how much gas, how much more gas that Ian Watson get out of them um, with with the two and three games to go. Um, it will be you know to see what so how far this team can go in the league. Obviously, getting to the the uh, Challenge Cup final uh, was 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 the was the was the pinnacle, and we'll never forget the season because of it. And it doesn't seem after the performance against St. Helens that it, this season will just peter out the players are still hungry they still the players still want to show that they've got class and they, and they want to be able to play at the highest level so you know in the next few games if we get to play them uh, you know I'm, I'm thinking that we could go even higher in this uh, Super League table I'm hoping so Rob I, I, I really hope that the season doesn't get kiboshed I mean there's always a meeting on Monday and they're on about well they've mentioned about changing the playoffs haven't they which I think is an absolute farce I mean I don't see how you can do that this point of the season now um, I get they might have to stop the season because they're going to run out of time but I don't think they should have I think the playoffs should be the top four that's what we signed up for at the start of the season so I hope it doesn't come to, to that with Salford though and it goes on to the percentage game I hope we get to finish our fixtures because uh, I think the players would want to do you know they've got the pride there haven't they've got guys like Mark Flanagan who's retiring I don't want him to not play again for Salford. I hope he gets another chance to, to you know, to, to lace his boots up at least one more game for us. So let's hope we we can we can finish our matches off. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that news, but we'll talk about it now, Paul, now you've mentioned it, that there is the potential of the Super League expanding the playoff system. So there's eight teams involved to give Sky more meaningful games. So there's not enough, not as many sort of dead rubbers, which is important really for Sky because they want all games to mean something to attract the people to watch it on the telly. Players have, uh, are starting to feel the burn because the clubs sort of backloaded the season thinking that they get a crowd in and, and you know, they'd be able to generate money. But because that's not happened, uh, they're still playing in front of nobody. So they're not making any money. So is it worth, for me, I think it probably is, 
to make it an eight-team eight playoff, even though we, we'd be in the mix for that top eight. I'm not saying it because we would be. I'm just saying it. If we do manage to do that, and the Super League agree, and everyone in, in uh, has a stake in it, I'll agree that eight teams is is the way to go. Every game becomes meaningful then, and and we might get you know more games that that show excitement and then sell the product to people watching at home who might just be tuning in because there's no football on. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think you should change a competition sort of. At the back end of it, like this, I mean, you sign up for something at the start of the season, you know what's going to happen, and then to me, this this season's been an absolute farce. I'm not going to beat about the bush, Rob. I think it's been a joke, and it's been great that we've got to Wembley, and I've really enjoyed the fact of that. But the Challenge Cup shouldn't have been played. I mean, after teams dropped out of it, the Championship teams couldn't play. They had to do a redraw. Yeah, I loved it. It was getting there, and I think we deserve to get there. But it, it, the whole integrity of the sport, you know, you've got Super League now, and nobody knows when they're playing. You know, you've got you've got teams pulling out. You know, the, the players can't play because they've tested positive. You've got a team waiting on standby. You've got this team's played more games than the other one. We're we're having to forfeit a bloody game because we've got no players, and it, 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 it's just a massive, massive farce. And you don't know what's going to happen from the the week after next. And the sooner to me, the sooner the season's over, the better, because I think it's just been. It's just been a bit of a nightmare, really. And if they if they do that now and have a top eight player, I think it, it, it just ruins the integrity of it, really. You, you can't. I don't think you can change things halfway through a season. It's a bit like this season's been like a board game, hasn't it? The the way that it's been run. And I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but that's my opinion. I think it's been been a bit of a joke. And you know, every week you've you've been looking at it, thinking, "Blimey, who's, who's playing this week? Has, has it been cancelled? Has it been moved?" You've got St. Helens who are playing at home every week. You've got Leeds who are playing at home every other week. But yet we've all got to play on neutral grounds. And yet Wakefield played at home the other week. Cass played at home the other week. How come we've not? We played one game at the AJ Bell. So it just doesn't make any sense the way the season's gone. So, um, so no, I, I don't know. Yeah, if they could make it a top eight, great, but. For me, I'd just keep it the same as it is, top four. I think, really, Paul, it's about Sky in it, and and Sky, you know, pay good money for for the competition, and they they want meaningful matches every every week. And the way it's been set up now, there will be a few dead rubber games towards the end of the season. And is and is that fair on these players who have already played sort of I don't know ten games in the last? two weeks, whatever it would be. Um, you know, is it fair on them to put their bodies on the line week in, week out for, for basically one place in that in that Super League table? I, I don't think it is. I, I think, really, for the competition, I don't mind if they say, right, we're going to do a top eight competition uh, and it's a straight knockout. We'll do it in whatever, three weeks and uh, we get to the grand final. We get to the grand final at all. That, I'd be happy with that because at least the players know they can go... Go one big massive effort to try and get to the to the grand final, and if it and if it doesn't happen, then obviously the the season's done. They can repair the bodies both physically and mentally, and and enjoy, and enjoy the off season, uh, ready to start again. In we don't obviously we don't even know do we when we're going to start again, but it'd be it'd be good for the players, I think, because they've gone through a lot, haven't they, with the COVID and the season stopping and starting, and I think it's just making them play games towards the back end where there's nothing to play for. It's just it's just too much for me. I'm going to ask you a question here, Rob, now, and you more or less answered it yourself there. Who runs Rugby League? Because for me, it's like Sky Sports now. You, you just said it there, it's for Sky. I know Sky Sports put the money in, 
But for me, they like trying to run the game. And they, and they have done for a number of years now. And it, they, sometimes I think the RFL and Super League need to say, no, we, we run the sport, not you. You put your money in. But to me, they're getting more and more control of the sport. This might have me being a bit paranoid, but that's the way I look at it sometimes. It's like Sky. They seem to have us in an headlock because they've got the money. They can dictate. And you are you talking about players' welfare. I mean, I think, I don't know if it's Bleasy who said it, but so I've seen it somewhere today where they were saying we might have to play like a, a winger in the pack and things like that. And you, you're talking about players getting injured. You, you can't do that. You know, if you play, I read the stat what someone put on the other day of how many games we played in, in so many days. It's absolutely ridiculous. We're playing like a game every three or four days. And that to me, is, you're not looking after your players there. You're not looking after them. I mean, this is the sport that didn't want to play two games at Easter. And what we're doing now, we're playing two games a week. So it's, it's just a big contradiction. Or am I being a moaner? I don't know. I'm on my IOS tonight. But that's just the way I feel about it. I just feel like Sky sometimes are just dictating the sport and, and taking over the sport and, and, and making a bit of a mockery of it. Yeah, but, but Sky fund the sport. Without Sky's money, this this t- suddenly turns to a, a semi-professional sport. And that's the bottom line. So we we look at um, you know the the broadcast deal that, that that might be or might be not be coming. There's there's rumours and there's, there's news stories on on the on the Twitter about you know reduced amount. They're not getting as many uh, much money this time round than they did last time, and that's going to hurt because don't forget these clubs at the moment aren't receiving any any gate money, and if they're getting less money from Sky, where, where's the where's the how do they fix that? How do they manage to sort of smooth over that shortfall straight away before ask before you start talking about extra things in the future and player salaries going up and, th- and things like that? It's it, it's a bit of a, it is a massive problem, but like you said, it might be Sky have, have the have us in an headlock and we have to kind of you know make do with what we've got. The RFL and the you know run the league and the, and the Super League, you know they run the Super League and and they will probably look after their own interests, which is, as a club, you want to make sure that you're not are done by. But is your interest as a club, is that the same as the interest as a sport as a whole? That, that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from and, and that, but I just don't like Sky to... It's like it's like the bully at school, isn't it? You know, from what we're, we're discussing here... We're sort of saying we've got to bend over backwards for Sky because Sky will take that money away then we haven't got a sport. So you're mm. doing something you don't really want to do just because you're frightened of them. And you can't go through life being like that. I mean, I've, I don't go through life like that. So I don't see why the, why the club should. So I think that perhaps they've got to call Sky's bluff. I, I don't know. You are sort of... I get where you, we're, we're playing with fire a bit, aren't we, I suppose. But I think... I don't know. It, it, something's going to have to happen at the end of the season. And maybe look at things and look at the new deal, look, perhaps try and get a deal with somebody else because, you know, perhaps I'm talking about attorney. Well, I'm not because it's an independent podcast I can say it all on. I don't, <laughs> um, I don't think Sky do a great job anymore. I think a lot of it is, is, is just is just filling slots for them. They look at the way they chop and change fixtures round and they'll only have us on at certain times of day. Thursday night rugby league, for, you know, never has on a Sunday or a Saturday, do they? So, I think the Sky treat the sport pretty shabbily, to be honest, and um, I've thought that for a long time. But like you said, they have got us in a headlock because they they provide an awful lot of money. You know, they they pay for for salaries and things like that, and the clubs would really struggle without their money. So it's it's you, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? Really, with Sky, is is the demand there 
outside the sky bubble for our sport to to be viewed um, outside the in the in the outside world. You know, we talk about the the Challenge Cup on the BBC, and you could say, "Come in, BBC, come and give us a you know, we'll give you one game a week, and and we'll give you you know, pay us X amount." Will, will the BBC be happy with that? Will Sky be happy with that? Would Sky be happy about divvying up this TV deal to give the BBC, uh, you know, a slice of the pie? For me, I don't think Sky have got have got the whole pie. Why would they think about slicing it up? And and you talk about, you know, was going and t- and playing playing poker with Sky, and 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 refusing the deal. If that that could possibly mean that five six clubs go to the wall, so then you're losing. Five six clubs worth of players plus your backroom staff plus obviously the the owners might walk away because they they can't fund it without the Sky money so it's one hell of a, a poker game in it to 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 play against Sky with all that at risk. Yeah, I suppose so. I'm just not that pleased with the way they the way they, they deal with things at the moment. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But we'll have to. Uh... We'll have to watch this space. I mean, they, they won't listen to, to what I say anyway, really. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But we'll we'll see what happens in the next week. I think there's a meeting on Monday, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out in that meeting about the end of the season and, and how they're going to deal with it because they are running out of time, aren't they? I think the grand finals at the end of the month we're on November the first, aren't we? On Saturday, are we? Is it November the first? So we're only sort of what four weeks away from the end of the season. So it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'll listen to you about all in the grand final, so they might listen to you about this, Paul, but we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see uh, what happens uh, in the next few weeks. Other news. So, the good news, uh, Paul, after the St. Helens uh, win, Ian Watson um, confirmed he committed his immediate future to us, which is great news for everybody. Yeah, it certainly is. It, it was surprising news. Um, I just jumped in my car, actually. I was absolutely freezing on Monday night at Leeds. So as soon as the game had finished, I did my report and, and packed my stuff up, ran down the stairs, jumped in my car, and my phone went off. And it was Gemma Cart was phoning me saying, have you heard the news? And I thought, oh, God, what's happened now? So I said, why, what's happened? She went, oh, what was it? I was saying that, staying. I said, oh, brilliant. So I must have... I floated down the M62 then back home to our house and uh, even my missus said when I got in she went oh Watto's staying isn't he I've just, I've just recorded his interview for you so she showed me that and it really, really cheered me up so I wasn't expecting that I mean I didn't think he'd go to Hull I really didn't um, with the logistics of everything and you know the travelling up there and, and just because I don't think Hull are, are, are a bigger club than us really so uh, I was pleased I was really pleased because if Watto had have gone um I wouldn't have begrudged him anything because I think he's a brilliant bloke and you know I want him to do well in, in, in the sport. But I want him to win a trophy at Salford. I really do because I think it'd be unfinished business. So I'm just hoping he can win that trophy now. And then, yeah, I'd like to see him go and coach in Australia and, and, and coach international rugby league because I think that's what he deserves. So whether he'll see this contract out now and move on, I'm not too sure. But I'm, I'm glad he's staying. Um, I'm glad. I'm pleased for the continuity as well at the club, and with Bleasy and, and Paul King and the rest of the directors and the, and the coaching staff that we've got there. I'm really pleased. I didn't. I had a feeling if Watto went, he might take half of them with him. You know, like mm-hmm. Greg Brown and, and Paul Roller, because I think in, in Greg, we've got a fantastic you know guy there. 
you know, the, the condition he gets the players in, absolutely outstanding. You know, he must be one of the best in the league. And, and Paul Rowley's doing a really good job as well there. You've got Marlon Billy there. And the rest of the staff are all tremendous. So, uh, really pleased, really massive news that. And uh, it gave me a big lift. Yeah. He talks about he talks about outside factors, his family and travelling and the COVID situation. And yeah, he's right. It, it gives him that ability to continue this project that he's got at Salford. He's building a, a club with with great culture, and it's fantastic where we are. And, it, and it's, we're still on this journey. We're still not. This isn't the end. Ian Watson still feels that he's he, he's got his hunger. He still wants to drive this club forward. And and that's the important thing. And that's the exciting part about it. Cause he, he knows that this club has got, you know, lots to go. Um, it's all about building the, the club and the opportunity that it, it gives him. It won't, I don't think it's going to stop the vultures from circling because they know he's, he's a good coach and he, they might come back for him later, but later is later. And it gives us an opportunity as a club to, try and match his ambition and try and put some more money into the club with your sponsors and with your season tickets. And, you know, the, the more chance we, we can do that, the better it is for our club. Yeah, I think I think you're dead right when you talk about the, the vulture circle. I think there's, there's three sort of big clubs, this side of the Pennines I could name, um, they'd probably take what one. And you know the three I'm talking about. And they've all got coaches at the moment. I don't know how long they're going to have coaches for, but if if whatever their coach comes to the end of his deal this season or next season, I'm pretty sure what I would be interested in that, and and that's you know that's that's bound to be. I mean, it's like me if I got an opportunity to to move somewhere and get a bit more money, and you know, with my job or whatever, you'd be fooled not to look into things. Otherwise, you'd be doubting yourself the rest of your life, thinking what could have been. So you have to look at things, and I I was pleased with the. What I was honest about the, the whole job. Of course, you're going to speak to people and, and have a word with them. You're not going to say no, are you? So, um, so we might have problems in the future. My dad said something to me a while ago, and um, he knows what I think of what. Oh, you know, he's been great with me. You know, we're both us. You know, speaking to us and that. And uh, he said to me, uh, he said, you know, you know, what won't always be there. You know. I said, what do you mean? He went, well, he won't always be Salford's coach. He said, eventually we'll move on or he'll get sacked or he'll resign or whatever. And it was really like, I looked at him and I went, he won't, he's always been a coach. And then <laughs> you think about it in the cold light of day, he's right. Every coach moves on, don't they? They're not there forever. It's like when Andy Gregory was there and Kyle Harrison, I loved them to bits, but eventually they moved on or got sacked or, or went to another job, didn't they? So we'll have the same with Wattle. You know, he might move on to another club. He might go abroad to Australia or he might get an international job. You don't know. So there's always going to be somebody else. So I'm sort of, in a way, I'm prepared for that now, mentally. Well, I wasn't before because I just thought, you know, Wattle was always going to be there. So, you know, I think whenever he decides to go or, or, or leave, He'll be hard to replace, but you will do. Someone else will come in, and and and, and we'll we'll learn to love and love them, won't we, or whatever. But I'm just pleased he's staying at the moment because, like you said, I think he's building something at Salford now. It's unfinished business. There's a, there's a project going here, and and things are going right. So this season, people might look at you and say, "Well, he's not done very well this season." You know, the bottom of the table. This season's it's one of those years where I don't think the league table is is fair. I don't think you can look at it and, and do a fair gauge of the season, you know, because of the circumstances of, of COVID and the way the fixtures have gone, the way the squads have gone, the way you're playing on neutral venues and all that. So I don't think this season is a fair sort of crack of the whip for, for any of the coaches, really. I know Chris Chester's been getting loads of grief at Wakefield and it's no, 
coincidence that he's got a small squad like what we've got. I think that those coaches are struggling. So um, I'd like to see what we again next season with a with a full season, you know, with a, and a fair season, and and see where we end up because I think we'll do really well again. Yeah, it shows his, his loyalty to his players. It shows his loyalty to the club that he was willing to, you know, come out and be honest about this approach. And him staying is only going to sort of boost their our confidence and the players' confidence that we are going in the right direction. Yeah, he's he's got he's got challenges in his own head, and, and he he thinks you know he knows that this Salford side. Because don't forget, we got to we've been to a grand final, we've been to a Challenge Cup final. It's still hunger. He didn't he didn't win them. Uh, finals, uh, so we've still got something to aim for, and and I and I feel, you know, this Salford side as a as a as a is as a group is on a journey, and uh, given a, a full season, you know, with next season if he gets this, a different, you know, more money, you know, better players, we can go again and we can take the steps that we weren't able to take uh, over the last uh, two seasons. Yeah, certainly, and and that's to me that was on my mind when when I could hear whole supporters saying things on on social media. I don't read a lot of stuff on there. I'm not you know one for listening to people's opinions. I'm not really bothered. But I read a few things about people saying, oh, you know, Hull are better than Salford, Hull are bigger than Salford. You know, the old playground sort of things. And it's a little rubbish. But I thought, well, he doesn't really need to move on to somewhere like Hull to win things because he's got a, a, a blooming good chance at Salford. He's been in two finals. I mean. We weren't that far off in the Challenge Cup final. We were lost by a point, and that game could have quite easily gone our way. So, you know, it's not like we're bottom of the table and, and we're getting knocked out in the cup first round like we used to do. But now we are sort of challenging and, and, and putting ourselves in with the chance of winning these trophies. You know, look at the last couple of seasons. We've done well in, in the league. We've finished quite high up a couple of times under what haven't we? A third place finish, a fourth place finish. So we are sort of putting ourselves about now amongst the big boys, aren't we? So uh, with a bit of investment and perhaps one or two more signings, the potential itself was massive. It really is, you know, the, the place where we are. It's sort of um, in the, the around the media city around Manchester and Greater Manchester. We've got a fantastic potential to to do really well. And I was thinking to myself the other day, it's just a real, real bit of shame that you know supporters couldn't go to the cup final because it would have been fantastic, you know, to to really lift this club, something we've dreamed for, a big day out at Wembley and and, and getting people involved. And I know people couldn't go, but I still think it's it's captured the imagination of the public and the supporters. And, and let's just hope, fingers crossed, when we can go back watching them, that we, we sell that, that stadium out and, and everybody gets behind the club. The COVID situation, Paul, is a great leveller because nobody has fans going in. And the difference between the likes of Hull and us is Hull get an extra five, six thousand every home every week, which generate and they all sell five, six thousand more shirts than we do, and they sell five, six thousand more season tickets than we do. And at the moment, you know, with that the situation is they haven't got that money coming in and we never had it. So it is a leveler and that's and that is why we are where we are. Because we, we've got players who 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 are hanging in and putting in great performances uh, on a on a on a shoestring budget, we're hoping, like I say, with with the COVID thing, by the time the season starts next season, we'll be able to get fans in. And and like you said, you know, getting to a cup final, us fans would have loved that, getting down to Wembley and having a magical day and and making memories. But the players did; they went to the the, the Challenge Cup final. They played in that. They, they experienced the big game, and that's only going to benefit us moving forward. Because when big games come in the future. 
they're going to be mentally prepared and be able to play at that optimum level. Yeah, well, I think when, when you're a player and you, you play in, in, in big games like that, you want to go there again, don't you? Hmm. You don't want that memory to just fade. I think you get that that hunger, don't you? I mean, I can't, I can't speak because I've never played in a, a Challenge Cup final. I can only sort of relate to it with my sort of little boxing career, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for what it is. I mean, once you've tasted, you know, that, uh, you want to keep doing it and you want to keep going again and, and, and you want to keep having your fights and, and, you know, selling your tickets and things like that. And I, mean, I know mine's only tiny compared to that, but it is, um, it's like a drug. It's something that you enjoy and you, and you want that bug again. You want to feel that excitement again. So, and the players must think that about Wembley and, and, and the, you know, the grand final, particularly last year, you know, to get that far to the pinnacle of your career and, you know, the challenge cup and lose by a point, you want to go back there and put things right, don't you? And I'm sure there's an awful lot of the, the squad who are going to be there next season will be will be gunning for that. They'll want to taste that again. You don't want that to be a one-off in your life. You don't never want to get there again. They'll want to taste that again and, and go that one step further this time and bring the trophy home. Yep, talking about us fans doing our bit. Uh, season tickets are due out on Monday. Uh, Paul King confirmed that on, on Twitter. Interesting to see what offers um, they put out. For, for us fans and what that entails we, we don't know obviously with the COVID situation we don't know what the situation is going to be like in, in March or whenever the season's going to start but I think it's important us fans do our bit if you can to get that season ticket to allow the, the likes of Ian Watson to go out and buy the players he wants Well I'm going to get one I think definitely and I've had one since I was five and I'm 37 now so <laughs> I'll have to keep getting one so I'll, I'll definitely be renewing mine um, hopefully a bit of goal but like you said um, if we can't we, we can't can we but the club needs the money so I know not everybody can afford it but I'm going to try and bang a bit of money to the side and uh, renew my ticket and uh, yeah look, let's hope we can we can start going to the games but just on that, we, we don't know, do we? Things the things change that fast now, don't they? In the outside world, every day, you know, March, April, whenever the season starts, February, it could be totally different again. So, uh, so yeah, we'll watch this space and see what happens uh, next week. Yeah, um, important that obviously us fans do our bit. If you can go and see what the offers put out to the club, um, I'll pro- I'll get my I know my new mine at Christmas Christmas present. Uh, which is one of them. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, don't ask for big presents. Just give me the season ticket and that, and that'll do. You're a good lad. Yeah. And, <laughs> and hopefully Santa will bring it this year. Um, other news, Paul, um, talk about Ian Watson staying. May have, uh, may have put an extra beat in your heart, but the news of Chris Wellham uh, leaving uh, to join uh, Featherston in 2021. Um are you okay and how do you feel? Um, I knew he was going anyway. So I heard the rumours and, and what have you. And when I interviewed him a few weeks ago, I asked him on the phone and uh, he did say he was going. So I did know. Um, I didn't like broadcast, but I think most people knew anyway, didn't they? Mm. Um, I was disappointed when he told me and when, when I heard the this, this, this stuff going out uh, about it. And yeah, He's been a great a great signing for us. I can remember when he first signed and I think a few people on Facebook were, were saying, Oh, what a crap signing this is he you know, this, that and the other and I think there was a few people who stuck up for him and I was one of them and um I, th- I thought, you know, you've got to give him a chance. I give any player a chance. We could sign anybody tomorrow, you know, the, the biggest donkey you can think of. And I give him a chance because he's signed for my club. And when he's playing for my club, I want to look after him and, and, and shout for him and give him, you know, give him his all. So 
that's how I, I treat a player when they, they come to Salford. And I think most supporters are the same, aren't they? Once that player signs for your club, he's one of you then. It's like Kevin Brown. We always, a lot of our supporters, can't stand Kevin Brown when he played for Witness and Huddersfield. Once he signs for your club, he's, he's part of your family then. And, and you look after him. And that's how I felt about Chris Wellerman. I watched him a few times and just loved the way he played the game. You know, his, his commitment of the man. And, and when you speak to him, such a lovely bloke to speak to, very down to earth. And, um, you know, not a big head, you know, just gets on with his job. And I've got so much respect and admiration for players like that. And, yeah, I was disappointed he was going. But I know from speaking to him and, and reading stuff in the press, he's I think he's got some um, a job lined up next season as well. I think Featherstone is a lot closer to his house in Hull than Salford is. So that's going to make his life a bit easier. He's got two young children as well. So you've got to do the right thing for your family sometimes. And I think that's what Chris has done. He's had a tremendous career in the top flight rugby league. You know, you've got to look at his playing record, you know, Ulkar, Bradford and Salford. He's been, he's been great. So uh, he'll go down as, as one of my favourite players of all time, Chris. I think he's been tremendous. And I just wish he, he has a great end to his career at Salford and gets a few more tries for us. And then he, he smashes it at Featherstone next season. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll do really well for them. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Paul. Uh, been a great servant for us. One of them, eight out of ten players that are able to go to that next level when needed and produce, you know, big moments in in in, in games. Um, you know, great handoff, silky skills, positional sense is, is good. He's he, he's just what you need in in a in a in a centre, and that that is the important thing. Like you said, you know, previously, you know, people questioned whether he'd, whether he'd be good enough for us. But he talked about it when he when he signed for Salford. We had the interview with him a couple of weeks ago, and he said Ian Watson gave him that belief that he was he was good enough to to continue to play at the highest level, and he and he repaid that opportunity given to him by Ian Watson to 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 show what he was all about. And like you said, he's he's, he's one of the best centres um, in my in my eyes uh, I've seen in a Salford shirt. He's probably better than Aaron Moore, who I, who I always put as my my uh, yardstick when it comes to centres. Um, but yeah, he's, he's certainly a fantastic centre and a nice bloke as well, like, like you said. Um, but quite prolific uh, as well, which is great. He's created a lot of tries as well, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, and I think, you know, the character of him, I think that's what fans love as well, and the unsung stuff that he does. You know, he's—I um, wouldn't say he was an art-made Chris Wellen, but he looks after himself on the pitch. He doesn't take mm-hmm. a backward step, and supporters see that, don't they? And that's why you ask supporters. Supporters love him. You know, he really is a cult hero at Salford, isn't he? And um, you know, fans' favourite as well. There's a lot of people that it's not just me. There's a big fan of him. I think there's an awful lot of people that like like Chris, and uh, you know, a very likable guy as well, and a proper rugby league man. Um, so yeah so I, I wish him all the best in his career and you know he's a lovely family as well and uh, you know I think he'll be great for Featherstone they, they're, they're signing some good players for next season and let's hope to God that you know the championship gets up and running next season because that's going to be a fantastic league that you know some real good sides in there York are doing really well signing loads of players up and you know you've got Bradford in there Widnes Lee um, yeah, who else is in there? Toulouse as well. It's, it's a really big league that with Featherstone. And I think they've. I can't remember who else they've signed Featherstone, but they have signed some good players. I think Adam Cuthbertson's going there. Or is he going to York? He's not going to York. I'm not sure, but there's some real big names in the championship next season. So, uh, so Chris will, uh, will definitely add to that list. Yeah, great player for us, and uh, good luck in the future at Featherstone. Um, and we will send all our, our best wishes to you uh, on your journey there. Uh, other. Other news, Paul, we talked about uh, the Warrington game uh, being cancelled. Only 13 players fit, uh, according to uh, 
Ian Blees. And it's and it's it shows, like I say, where as a club we need to kind of improve is in we need a, a bigger squad to be able to compete, but the bigger squad means more money to buy these players to fill your squad. And that is where we are as a club. Well, yeah, I saw. I saw some of. I was just mentioning before. I saw some other supporters saying that you know, if you had a youth team and this, that, and the other, or why did you go and sign Callum Watkins when you should have a youth team and blah blah blah, which is they're entitled to their own opinion and to a certain extent, they're probably right. Really, I mean, we should have a youth team. I mean, to me, you, there should be certain requirements to be a Super League club, and I think having an under twenty ones or, or an academy should be one of those. And, you know, it was a travesty the way ours went, you know, the way it did. And that's another story, isn't it? But, you know, we've not got one and, and there's nothing that the guys in charge of us now can do about it. You know, we've, we've not got the finances for one. So we've got to cut our cloth accordingly. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But if you've not got the players, it's, it's like me going to work tomorrow. If I've not got my tools, I can't do the job. So if, you know, if Ian Watson's not got players, it's disposable. We've not got enough fit players. We can't play, can we? So... I've seen the, the people say, "Oh, it's not fair," you know, you know, giving Warrington the win. That's if you look, you know, black and white. That's the rules. If you've not got, if you can't feel the side, you know, the other team gets a twenty-four point nil win. That's that's the way it is. Those are the, are the operational rules at the RFL. So you've got to abide by that. I mean, I know ours wasn't COVID related. It's, this sounds really harsh, and I don't agree with it. But they are the rules, aren't they? So um, we've just got to uh, take that one on the chin. I think. Yeah, I was talking to my dad. Uh, today and he said oh I don't believe they're, they're, they're going to try and punish us and all these other teams dropping off with Covid and all that and I said it's not it's a different situation Covid's Covid and and, and if teams drop out because they can't field enough players because everyone's got Covid is different to the fact if you haven't got any bodies because you're injured because in, you're injured and the RFL have them sort of rules in place uh, and we have to follow them rules I'm, to be honest, I'm hoping that common sense prevails and they'll look at the situation and say, right, yeah, you've, we've we've let we've made you play so many games in in you know a certain amount of time, and you are battered and, and broken, and yeah, you've only got a small squad because we've uh, because of our operational rules, your academy had to be disbanded, so you were able to get the the players together. So technically, it is a bit our fault. So we're not going to punish you. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. But we'll never know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with with that. You might be asking a lot there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, I, I get that. But I suppose rules are rules at the end of the day. As much as it hurts me to say, you, you can't sort of have a rule book and then have it wrote in sort of brackets at the bottom. But um, we can let these have it off because they've got a small squad. Rules are rules, aren't yeah. they, at the end of the day? You can't start... You know, it's black and white, isn't it? So I get that, though. I mean, the reason why we've got a load of injuries and that is because of, of the backlog of fixtures. And on the other side of the coin, why are they giving Warrington a 24-point nil? Because Warrington are playing Huddersfield tomorrow night, yeah. anyway, Friday night. So it's not as if they've not got a game. And that's what's happened this season. When teams have pulled out with COVID, they've had a team there on standby. So surely, I know ours isn't COVID, but it's because of this sort of unprecedented season, isn't it? So it's, it's similar. So it, it, I, did, I didn't get it really. I thought it was a bit harsh. And like you said, if they do look at it, they're going to look at it and think, yeah, this season is a bit unprecedented. You know, they, they struggle. It's player welfare, this, that and the other. They've had to play loads and loads of matches. So, yeah, let's hope that that does. There should be, not an excuse, but this season is, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, exceptional sort of, yeah, exceptional sort of circumstances, aren't they? Yeah, it, what it is, Paul, it is two sets of rules 
kind of becoming in, inter, inter, intertwined because obviously Salford don't play, Warrington get the points. But then if Warrington can play and they've got games to, that need to be played, so they've kind of sort of smashed Warrington into the to the mix now and said, well, go and play somebody uh, this week. And it, it, like I said, it becomes a, like a four-point weekend uh, for, for Warrington if they win. And then that kind, kind of affects the, the playoff standings and... I think it's wrong for the RFL to say, right, we'll give them a 24 nil win and give them, give them, you know, the points when you know in the afternoon you think, well, we'll, we'll let, we'll make Warrington play someone else just to, for, you know, fulfill the sky fixtures. Uh, but like I said, I think it's just two sets of rules being mashed together at the moment. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's really my argument. I think I, put, I commented that on the Facebook about um, why didn't Warrington just play Catalan? Because we're supposed to be playing Catalans on Monday. So surely Warrington could have played them because I don't think they played them twice this season. And Catalans have also got quite a lot of games in hand, haven't they? They've not played as many games as anybody else. So surely that would have been great for them to knock a game off if they can travel over with all the restrictions and what have you. So I just thought they were a bit, what's the word, a bit quick off the mark there to give Warrington that 24-point nil victory. You're right. You're right, Paul. And you're talking about Catalan. They've not played for three weeks as well. So they're itching for the game. So, and people putting on the the tin app, um, you know, theory. They've missed game against, is it Wigan? Uh, Saints? Um, is it Warrington? I think they haven't played as well. So they've missed three big games against the, 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 the top sides. And then suddenly they're able to play against us, which, which you know, we don't know. Uh, whether whether that's been planned or not, or way the, whether the that's the way the cookie crumbles, um, but it doesn't add to the the fact you know the idea of people's thought process that the whole thing's a bit dodgy. Mm, yeah, well, you can understand the way people feel. They've only got to read people's comments at me on social yeah. media about what they think about the RFL and Super League, and I try to be a bit sort of. Don't try and buy into all that sort of stuff sometimes. No. I, I don't agree with an awful lot of the stuff they say. I don't agree with an awful lot of the people who run the sport. And I don't agree with Sky Sports a lot of the time, as you as you can tell tonight. <laughs> but um, sometimes you have to get on with stuff, don't you? And I don't believe every single conspiracy theory in the world. But I, I do feel there's, there's things they could have done differently this year with you know, the way they've run everything. But I accept it's difficult because it's difficult circumstances. It's logistically... Tough, isn't it? You know, life is at the moment. You don't know where you're going to be from one day to the next. So, uh, so yeah, but yeah, disappointing that we lost 24 0 to Warrington because we beat them like five times on the spin now, I think, haven't we? So, uh, you know, pride, pride more than anything. Yeah, I don't think there is either, Paul, but people do see sort of the black and white in it. And I, I understand where they're coming from, but I, I don't think there is. I think it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, other news. Uh, Wild Thing have a sale on, on coats, t-shirts and woolly hats, ready for, for winter, Paul. I think there'll be three important things um, in the coming months. Yeah, I think so. It's getting a bit cooler now. Mind you, today's not been too bad, but no. a couple of mornings I've got to work, it's been absolutely freezing. And My sort of ritual for the last six months has been I get myself a little coffee in the morning when I go to work. That's my little creature comfort these days. And yeah, I'll be getting my, uh, my woolly hat out soon as well. I think I've got a little collection of Salford ones, so one of them will be coming out soon. I noticed yours on the uh, on the Devil in Detail page the other day. Very yeah. nice, that, that retro one. Retro yeah. shirt, that. Yeah, got that from uh, the foundation table. Um, nice fit, well worth getting one, helping the foundation raise some funds for them. Um, talking about 
superstitions and, and processes you follow? Are you still doing your your uh, mouthwash uh, COVID prevention uh, thing? <laughs> no, I stopped that ages ago. Have you seen how much years that list doing? <laughs> not four quid a bottle. No, no, not that on the head. Did you? I, I, I sanitise my hands. I, I always used to sanitise my hands. Anyway, before all this started, I've always had a bottle in my van because we get them for free at work because you never know what you're touching, do you? And that. So uh, I always have plenty of cleaning stuff. But that alcohol tends to burn your hands after a bit, doesn't it? My hands feel like they're falling off. But it's uh, it's good stuff. I've started. Yeah, I've, 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 ever since you said that to me on the podcast, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start doing that because it's like it's, it's germs in your mouth in it and stuff like that and yeah. mouthwash. There's no, there's no you know proof it might it might work or not, but I thought to myself, it's it's worth a shot. It's just an extra, you know, thing that keeps you safe. I bet you've got um, a right pearly white Colgate smile, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> the old Colgate smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah, I suppose things are a waste of time, really, because I'm wearing a mask, no one sees it. No, yeah, get your teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> get your teeth out, there, lads. <laughs> uh, other news uh, Jack Armand Ride had a new uh, baby girl, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. Congratulations to Jack and his partner for that. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, great stuff. That. I saw the, the picture of that the other day, and uh, you can't go wrong with girls. I've got two. Well, I've got three, three at the moment, looking after me, uh, my little niece at the moment as well. So, uh, so yeah, I know all about girls, I and mean, I'm sure they'll uh, uh, have plenty of fun now with that. Yeah, and I've got one coming in the next two or three weeks, Paul, which is uh, which is exciting. Yeah, certainly. Is. Have you told the, the listeners what you're you're having? I've I've not. I've I thought I'd, I thought I'd mention it soon, but I think I'll mention it now that my wife's due a baby girl in the next. I think it's two or three weeks, so that's going to be exciting. Something to look forward to. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to continue to sort of produce podcasts uh, for you through the uh, the long nights and uh, sleepless nights. I'll try my best, that's all I can say to you. I think when uh, my son was born, Rory, I think he was three when I started. we, we started doing this podcast. So I got all the, the, the sort of the late nights and the early morning starts and all the crying and all the feeding and stuff out of the way. So we'll see how that this plays out uh, while we're doing this podcast. I'm sure I'll, we'll, we'll try our best to, to, to work it around any parental um, responsibilities that I have. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to do it between night feeds, won't we? So, well, I'm sure we'll sort something out, Rob. I'm sure we'll sort something out. Yeah, I do remember when we first, we first, the first year we did it. Uh, my son Rory was was ill in hospital, and I remember doing podcasts with Patrick at the time uh, on my phone, walking up and down the the wards and, and the aisle, you know, like the corridors of the hospital uh, to get him out. Um, hopefully, it won't be like that this time. Uh, be able to do it, like you say, between uh, sleeping and eating. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure because babies tend to sleep quite a bit, don't they? So, yeah. yeah, as soon as they, as soon as she gets her head down, then you'll have to be on the laptop, then. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. Um, other other celebrations, Paul. Uh, Ian Watson's birthday this week, and Ken Seal's birthday as well. As well, so happy birthday to both of them. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, he's had a busy time. What I was mentioning before, you know, with with Wembley and. You know, people after him and, and this, that, and not say after him, not like the mafia, you know, like the whole FC are after him. And, you know, his name's been, you know, getting banded about, hasn't it? So he's probably, um, I don't know how he spent his birthday, but I bet he's had a bit of quiet time with his family, really. He's probably needed it. Yeah, it's, uh, like you said, it's been all drama. Um, but I suppose we know game this week, uh, well, not game till 
Monday, let's say. Um, it probably gives him time to let his hair down a little bit um, in his social bubble. Yeah, when you think about what old Simon Salford coach, it's been there's been a lot of drama really. Hasn't he? He's not had like any. Well, it's, not, it's never been boring since what old's been in charge, has it? So, I mean, I bet I bet his wife has to put up with um, you know all the, the stress he brings home and that. And I, I don't know what what he says or whether he keeps it all inside. Like, but it must be it must be difficult sometimes because he had like big cup runs and grand finals and, and challenge cup finals. I bet I bet they enjoy a bit of downtime when it, when he gets it, and uh, I'm sure he had a bit on his birthday. Goes home and screams into a pillar. That's what he probably did at the beginning. <laughs> but I think it shows the the mark of the man. Obviously, he's been able to deal with with the the, the stresses and and the up and down way of of, of the the Sulphur Devils through his 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 coaching career at the the club. And you know where we are now and where we were is is a chalk and cheese, isn't it? Really. So um, yeah, I think he's uh, he's probably enjoying a I don't know a red wine maybe or something. I don't know. Is it a glass of vino? Is that what people are? Maybe, I don't know. Is it vino? I don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, other one, uh, Ken Seals Durfee as well. Um, he's been injured, Annie, for a bit. So, uh, wish him Was all the best as well. Ken Seal? Was he 30? Mm, yeah. I think he was 30, Ken Seal, wasn't he? Yeah, it's been a shame with Ken because he's been pretty prolific, hasn't he, before he got injured. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know whether he's out for the season now. There's been no mention of him returning, has there? So uh, he'll be looking to kickstart himself in 2021, won't he? Yeah, he's a class finisher. He knows where the line is. And we have kind of missed him in a way. But obviously him being injured gives other players opportunity, don't it? And we don't know how the season would have played out if Kenzie would have been fit. Um, we don't know. It's all it's all in the air. It's all uh, different realities, isn't it? We don't know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to see what happens with that one, yeah, definitely. Yeah, wish him well and uh, happy birthday and wish him speedy recovery uh, for next season. So that's all the news uh, this week and what we'll do now, we'll look forward um, to the Catalan game on uh, Monday. It's time for the Devil of the So, Salford Red Devils face Catalan Dragons on Monday, Paul. At the moment, the game's on. We don't know the injury situation. Hopefully, we'll have enough players to, to fulfil that fixture as well. I think, hopefully, they will have, because obviously they've had an extra sort of three and four days, haven't they, to, to rest and recuperate, ready for the, the contest. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, at the moment, as we record this, we're not really sure what's going to happen on Monday, are we? So it'd be good to get the, the game on, you know, under the belts because the game's at the AJ Bell Stadium as well, and I'm sure the players would like to return there. But hopefully we've got a squad and we, we can put a, a side out there to, uh, to, to play the Dragons because they'll be looking at playing a match as well because they still want to make the playoffs, don't they? And I don't know how many games they've played. I think they've been playing about 12, haven't they? Yeah. They've not played for a while, have they? 12 games. So they'll, they'll, need to, uh, they'll need to win some matches because if you look at their their percentage, they're pretty good. They've not, I think they've mm. won eight and lost four. So they're, they're, they're pretty good. So they're, they're going to be up there. So they could be dark horses to get to that grand final. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. They've not played for three weeks. We've played more games than you can wave a stick at in the last three weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ian Watson manages his players through that because they'll be ready 
to be play to play, but they might be a bit ring rusty while we've been playing more than we have training. So we'll be we'll be game hopefully be battle hardened and game ready when we face the, the dragons. Yeah, I think it'll be tough either way because they, they've got some quality players, Catalans, haven't they? They're, uh, they're, they're a good side and, you know, you've only got to look down their team, you know, guys like Israel Falau and, and Maloney, they've got quality all over the pitch and I think they're, they're tuned up, aren't they? They want to get to that grand final. They, they really do want to get to that that final. So uh, they're going to be a tough tough side to face, you know, if we face them on Monday. Like I said, I hope we do. be a good test for us and... Uh, be good to get back at the AJ Bell and, and you know let's let's see if we can get another win because I, I think we can beat Catalan I definitely do but uh, it'll be a tough game though because they're one of the sides that's impressed me the most this season I know we went over to uh, to Perpignan God it seems like ages ago now it was just before the lockdown went over there to watch Salford and um, they played really well in that game you know, I know we came back in the second half but they they look really good they look really quality um, and and I'm sure they're going to be in that shake up now towards the end of the season. Yeah, we talked we talked before about the possibility of the playoffs being extended uh, to a top eight. Um, we're currently eighth in the the table um, with forty percent win rate win ratio. Cass is in ninth with thirty seven. I think Huddersfield are above us with forty three percent. So it'd be if we do manage to secure that victory against um, Catalan, bumps us up in hopefully into that you know, into the process. And if the RFL and the Super League do decide to go with an eight-team playoff, then obviously it gives us a bit of optimism and a bit of uh, something to aim for and strive for in the next, uh, whatever, three weeks. Yeah, if we finished eight, though, what would we do? Would we have to play St. Helens? Would it be <sighs> eight plays one and seven plays two? I don't, don't know how it works out. We'll have to wait and see. I mean... Saying that, I mean, I don't agree with it, but I wouldn't say no to it if we was in it. And obviously, I've put us too well, so he'll add a bit of excitement and won't it to uh, to proceed in. So we'll have to just watch the space and see what happens. Because, like we said, things seem to to change so quickly now. I mean, I, I'm always on. Um, well, I shouldn't say this. I'm always on my phone at work looking at the internet. And I'm, not, I'm not really. I'm doing loads of boilers. No, I tend to go on Sky Sports every couple of hours just to see what's going on and, and, the, and the various rugby league sites because there's, there's that much happens now and news seems to break really fast, doesn't it? But that's the, the beauty of like Twitter, you know, the, the great sort of journalists that we've got on there. We, we tend to find things out pretty quick, don't we? There's always something happening at the moment and, you know, it's. I've just got the, the matches on tonight and um, I was listening to... Um, David Hodgson getting interviewed before at OKR and I was thinking to myself, oh, has, has Tony Smith been sacked? Why is he interviewing David Hodgson? But Tony Smith tested positive and he's got to mm. isolate for two weeks. So I think Hodgson's um, coaching OKR tonight. So uh, it, it's, it's just mad at the moment, isn't it? Mad, mad things happening in rugby league at the moment. I mean, football so don't seem to be, be too bad. They seem to be um, getting away with it at the moment. I've not known many football matches be postponed for, for COVID. And I think there's been one or two, but... Sort of rugby league, we've we've suffered, haven't we? We've um, we've quite a lot. Yeah, I think work will be all right with you on your phone, Paul. As long as you're not on YouTube trying to figure out how to fix spoilers. No, I don't do that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I I think I think obviously we don't know, do we? What what might happen with this potential uh, playoff plan? Um, but I think if it is agreed and the teams do decide just go for 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 a playoff. Uh, situation and let everyone have their own um, their own attempt to get to the to the to the grand final. Salford, Ian Watson can go to his players and say, "Give me 
one big effort for these next three weeks to try and get us to a, to a grand final. And the players might be able to, to lift the game uh, through all the, you know, all the injuries and, and all the hurt and all the, you know, the effort they've put in in this uh, last 12 months. They might be able to raise themselves that one last time uh, to try and get us to, to Hull. He's going to say Old Trafford. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a bit of a come say, down from Old thing, Trafford. It doesn't have the same thing, does it? Hull on a Friday night. No. No, um, yeah, I mean, if you get in that playoffs and you know you get a bit of momentum, anything can happen. I think it's one of them seasons really now where, you know, if it was a top eight playoff, You'd have to fancy St. Helens, wouldn't you, with the resources they've got and the way they play the game. And I suppose Wigan as well are coming good at this moment in time. Warrington as well. You'd probably fancy them three. But, you know, there's always a team that surprises, you know, other sides and a team that hits it on momentum. So I've just been watching Wakefield tonight. They looked, you know, a dead duck a few weeks ago. They've won three games on the spin now. There was all talk of Chris Chester losing the dressing room. They've hammered Leeds tonight. Uh, and the, the, the bits of highlights I've seen, and they won the previous two before that, so they're in a bit of form now. I think they're just below us, so they're they're probably going to have to keep winning if they're going to make the top eight. But no, I'm, I'm sure it'll be an exciting finish to the season. Score prediction, Paul, for the Catalan game. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say is it prediction of it being on first before <laughs> before a score. Um, I'm going to go another tight game, Rob. Um, I'm going to go Salford eighteen. Catalan 12. Yeah, we, we, we really should have said, you ought to predict we're going to play Catalan first. But uh, yeah, I do predict we'll play Catalan. Uh, and I do predict Salford will win. It will end up being Salford 32, Catalan 10. What was our predictions for the Saints game? wasn't anywhere near the score, I don't think. We were not. Don't we, think were not. So. we both backed him to win, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I, th- I, think, I don't think I went close. I think you were nearer. Um, 20s I think you did you say 20s we should write them down man. I told you to write them down do you know write them down no uh, no I will start writing them down I'll write that one what did you say 32 10 yeah right, 32 10 and 18 12 I'll write them down 18 12 okay uh-huh. so end of another podcast Paul another another great show are you going to call me Rob then I was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've enjoyed it, Robbie. I didn't think we, when he spoke to me tonight, he went, oh, it'll be a quick one, this. we've got nothing to talk about, but we didn't do too bad, really, <laughs> did we? We managed to spin it out. No, I've enjoyed it, though, mate. I've enjoyed it, and uh, let's see uh, see how many more wins we can get to the end of the season, and uh, let's hope we can beat Catalans on Monday. Yeah, big thanks for, for tuning to this week's podcast. Don't forget, uh, you got the opportunity to, to win the uh, the free prize, the Greg Johnson um, plot. Try plotting picture, we'll call it. Uh, just enter the competition by following the link on the the Facebook page, uh, and uh, you might uh, end up winning. Yeah, looks good. That. Yeah, exciting times. Big thanks for tuning in. I'm Bill Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. Fans on Twitter at the ITD SRD, and you find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, and Spotify. Big thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.